Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of First Samuel. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners, and happy Wednesday. I hope you guys have your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning and that you're ready to read some scripture because we're going to be talking about 1 Samuel chapter 12 today. And this is a continuation of Monday's episode where we talked about Samuel stepping down from his position as the as the not the high priest, but the judge of Israel. And in fact, the judge role completely being gone at this point in time because now Israel wants a king. So we talked about verses 12 through 15 briefly the other day, but I'd like to go back into them again today because it ties in very well with the rest of the passage. So we'll be reading 1 Samuel 12, 12 to the end of the chapter, which is verse 25. Once again, grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea this morning for you crazy tea drinkers and also your Bible in the version that you prefer, but I'll be reading out the W.E.B. as usual. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when Yahweh your God was your king. Now therefore see the king whom you have chosen and whom you have asked for. Behold, Yahweh has set a king over you. If you will fear Yahweh and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then both you and also the king who reigns over you are followers of Yahweh, your God. But if you will not listen to Yahweh's voice, but rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then Yahweh's hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing which Yahweh will do before your eyes. Isn't it wheat harvest today? I will call to Yahweh that he will send thunder and rain, and you will know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in Yahweh's sight in asking for a king. So Samuel called to Yahweh and Yahweh sent thunder and rain that day. Then all the people greatly feared Yahweh and Samuel. Then all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to Yahweh, your God, that we not die, for we have added to all of our sins this evil to ask for a king. Samuel said to the people, don't be afraid. You have indeed done all of this evil, yet don't turn away from following Yahweh, but serve Yahweh with all your heart. Don't turn away to go after vain things, which can't profit or deliver, for they are vain. For Yahweh will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it has pleased Yahweh to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against Yahweh in ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear Yahweh and serve him in truth with all of your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you keep on doing evil, you will be consumed, both you and your king. There's a few really powerful verses in this chapter Verses I think that you could stick on your fridge and look at them pretty often. For example, verse 24, it says, Only fear Yahweh and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. That's a really, really good verse. But anyway, this is Samuel talking, and he's still addressing the people. And this is during the coronation of Saul, the first king of Israel. And so Samuel is effectively stepping down from his judge position, his judge role. He's not stepping down as high priest because he was both high priest and judge. 
but he is stepping down from the judge role and basically removing the judge role completely because now Israel is asked for a king. And the other day I went into the differences between judges and kings because there were significant differences. And I think a lot of people kind of skew the lines a little bit and sort of think that judges were quasi kings, but they were not at all. So I went into that the other day and I'm not going to go back into that again, but it was wrong for Israel to ask for a king because God was the king of Israel, or rather he was supposed to be the king of Israel. And the Israelites were like, nah, we don't want God as our king because we can't see him. And we don't know if he's actually there. And you know, we don't want to follow him. We want to follow a human king that we can see. And so that's why the people wanted Saul as their king. And so Samuel, of course, before the coronation of Saul was like, this is a bad idea. Don't do this. Here's why. And we went into all of that. But now as Samuel is stepping down, once again, he's reminding the people, here's your king. You know, I, I gave you guys a king. God has instituted a king for you, an earthly king. But it was wrong of you to ask for a king. And he talks about that in verses 12 through 15. He says, uh, you know, God protected you during all of these different battles. You know, when Nahash, the Ammonite, was going to pluck out all your eyes, God would have been with you. He would have protected you through that battle. But you guys said, no, we want a earthly king to protect us. And so here is your king. Look at him is what it says. He says, now, therefore, see this king whom you have chosen and whom you have asked for. Behold, Yahweh has set a king over you. That's what it says in verse 13. And that's a very snarky verse. <laughs> I feel like Samuel is uh, is kind of yelling at the people there. It's pretty funny, depending on the version that you read. It gets even snarkier in some of the more modern versions. But basically, Samuel is just saying, you know, the, the people have rejected God as their king when they didn't need to because God was the most perfect king that anybody could ask for because he protected his people. He supplied everything to them. He gave them the promised land. And yet the people weren't satisfied with God as their king and they wanted an earthly king. So in verse 14, though, Samuel tells the people that if they continue to worship Yahweh, God will still bless them, even though they have done this sin. And this is something that is very consistent about God throughout the entire Bible and throughout all of history as well. People continually fail over and over and over again. And yet God, through their failings, continues to give them a way out to salvation, no matter what. So Samuel says, if you will fear Yahweh in verse 14 and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then both you and also the king who reigns over you are followers of Yahweh, your God. But if you will not listen to Yahweh's voice, but will will rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then Yahweh's hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. So then in verse 16 through 19, Samuel performs this miracle by praying to God. So apparently right when the people coronated Saul as their king, I guess it was the day of wheat harvest. And so the people were getting very close to going out and harvesting their wheat. Now, during the wheat harvest, rain is apparently very atypical during this time of year in Israel. And also it was very inconvenient because if rain happens during the wheat harvest, it can actually destroy the wheat. Fun fact, I learned about this this morning. 
I have a really bad habit of when I wake up scrolling through YouTube and because I enjoy gardening in my spare time and other, you know, kind of homesteady things like that, I often get a lot of YouTube videos about gardening pushed to me. And one of them was about growing wheat and it had literally nothing to, I did not research this for today's topic actually, which is really funny. But I learned today how to grow wheat like in your backyard and then harvest it by hand. The way the lady was harvesting it, it took like the smallest amount of force, like barely anything like wind practically to, you know, break off all the little wheat berries from the wheat head and to get your your grain from the wheat. It took almost no force whatsoever. So if you can imagine, you know, wheat being ready, you know, the the stalks are nice and crisp and it's ready for harvest. And suddenly the rain comes in and, you know, the, the storm comes in. Your wheat could potentially get ruined because it doesn't take a lot of force to remove those wheat berries from the head of the wheat. Not to mention, I'm pretty sure the dryness of the wheat, it has to be a, a specific dryness as well in order to properly be able to harvest it. So that's a factor also. So rain is just super inconvenient, either because it can ruin the wheat or because you'll have to wait several more days to harvest the wheat. And if you wait too long, obviously the wheat, I imagine, would go bad. And I mean, you have to harvest it at some point in time. So rain is just super inconvenient when you're about to harvest wheat. And so back in these days, it was considered so inconvenient that if a rainstorm or thunderstorm or hailstorm or something like that happened during the wheat harvest, the people of the region would consider it to be an act of the gods. You know, the gods were super angry and they were sending this hailstorm or this rainstorm or this thunderstorm down to destroy the wheat harvest because the gods were angry. The people would then, you know, pray to their deities or whatever to have a good wheat harvest. And, you know, Israel constantly falling back into idolatry over and over and over again. This would have been extremely significant what Samuel is about to do. So what Samuel does is he prays to Yahweh and he tells the people he's about to do this. He says, isn't today the wheat harvest in verse 17? He says, I will call to Yahweh that he may send thunder and rain and you will know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in Yahweh's sight in asking for a king. So Samuel called to Yahweh is what it says in verse 18. So he prayed to Yahweh in front of the people. And very soon after Yahweh sends thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared Yahweh and Samuel. So this would be amazing no matter what, because I imagine it didn't seem like there was going to be any amount of rainstorm at all. You know, once, once again, this is the wheat harvest. It was atypical for a rainstorm to happen. So probably the skies were clear, you know, maybe a little cloud here and there. But overall, the skies were clear. It was a good day for going and doing your wheat harvesting. So when Samuel starts praying to Yahweh to send rain and it happens, you know, however long afterward, probably minutes after Samuel is finished praying, the people are freaked out, as would anybody be if it was a super clear day and someone starts praying to God for rain and God sends rain, (laughs) like no matter what, anybody would be freaked out about that. But the fact that this was such an abnormal time for a rainstorm and also, you know, that the Israelites constant worship of 
idols, this would have been insanely significant for them. So what ends up happening is after God sends this thunderstorm, it says the people greatly feared Yahweh and Samuel and all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to Yahweh, your God, that we not die. So that is how significant this event was to the people. They felt God's power in this. They thought they were going to die because of their sin. So they're asking Samuel, pray to Yahweh, your God. And that's another thing I find significant about this verse is throughout all of Israel's history, you will often see, this is a pattern, that the Israelites very, very rarely call Yahweh their God. They're always like, you know, pray to your God, Yahweh. They never call Yahweh their God. They never have this personal relationship with Yahweh or they're never worshiping Yahweh is what it seems like. And so once again, you see how far the people's hearts are from Yahweh that they, they tell Samuel, pray to your God, Yahweh, that we not die. For we have added to all of our sins this evil to ask for a king. So the people's hearts are always just so far from God. But Samuel says to the people, don't be afraid. You have indeed done all this evil. Yet don't turn away from following Yahweh, but serve Yahweh with all your heart. That's another verse you could stick on your fridge. I like that Samuel does not sugarcoat the people's sins. He says, yeah, you guys have definitely sinned in asking for us for a king. You certainly have sinned, but don't be afraid because your sins are in the past. Just do the right thing now. And that is all. That is what the Christian walk really is. We constantly sin. We constantly make mistakes but we aren't called to be weighed down with guilt over our sins. Instead, we're called to confess the sins to God and to other people who we've hurt and to get up and to do the right thing the next time. So guilt, after you feel the initial guilt, I actually wrote about this in my book, Out of the Mire. That was one of my chapters. It was about guilt. When you feel guilty over something that you've done. That's initially a good thing, right? Because guilt causes you to confess the sin. It causes you to go to the person that you might have hurt and make amends with them. So guilt initially is a good thing. But once it turns into a long lasting guilt, it actually ends up becoming a sin. Because when you you constantly feel this guilt and it's weighing you down, even though you've confessed your sin and you've done what you can do and you still feel this, this unending guilt, it's actually a sin because you are not living in love. And that is what I believe John talks about in either first or second or third John. I can't remember, but we're not experiencing God's love when we feel this immense amount of guilt just overshadowing our lives. We're not understanding how forgiving and loving God really is and how he wants to have a relationship with us. And he's willing to forget those sins that we committed in the past. So that's basically what Samuel tells the people. He says, look, you all sinned. You have your king now. Just do the right thing 
Now, he says, don't turn away to go after vain things which can't profit or deliver for they are vain. That includes, you know, worshiping idols. That includes greed or loving money too much. That includes trusting in people rather than in God or in politicians or in leaders or in kings or in weapons rather than in God. Those things are all vain. Samuel says, for Yahweh will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it pleased Yahweh to make you a people for himself. Even though you and I are not Jews. Well, you might be, but I am not. (laughs) I am a Gentile. I am still considered to be one of God's children, as are you if you believe in Jesus as your savior. And God wanted to make us his children. That's why he sent Jesus in the first place to come to earth and to save us from our sins. It pleased Yahweh to make you and I his people, his children. And so he is not going to forsake us. And that is absolutely restated in the New Testament. Jesus himself states that about the the father. He says, you know, a, a sparrow can't fall to the ground without the father knowing about that little sparrow. So how much more valuable are you than the birds that fly through the sky? You're so much more valuable to Yahweh than birds. So if God knows about every little thing that happens on earth, certainly he knows what you need. He is not going to forsake you, meaning he is not ever going to leave you. He won't. So Samuel then goes into how he's going to continue praying for the people, even though they sinned, which is what you know, us Christians should be doing. We should be praying for people who mistreat us and who sin and who live a lifestyle that is contrary to ours. We should constantly be praying for other people. And Samuel says he's not going to sin against Yahweh in ceasing to pray for the people. Because don't forget, once again, Samuel also is not stepping down from the high priest role. He is still the high priest of Israel. And so as the high priest, one of his jobs as high priest is to intercede for the people. So Samuel says, no, I'm not going to stop praying for you guys, even though you sinned. And even though you got rid of the judge role that God instituted and you got rid of God as your king, I will not stop praying for you because that is still my job as high priest. And then he says, and also I will instruct you in the good and the right way. And that is what the high priest was supposed to do. The high priest was supposed to intercede for the people, first and foremost. And secondly, they, they were supposed to relay the law to the people and help the people to have faith in Yahweh and be the mouthpiece of Yahweh at certain times as well. So Samuel says that is his job. He's not going to stop doing that. But then he says in verse 24, here's the, the verse that would look really good on your fridge. Only fear Yahweh and serve him in truth with all your heart. Serve him in truth with all your heart. There are so many lies out there. It is so hard to differentiate sometimes lies from truth because a lot of times what Satan likes to do, he's literally a master at lying. He is extremely good from the time of the Garden of Eden until now. He's an extremely fantastic liar. And one of the most effective ways that Satan lies is he mixes in a little bit of truth into that lie. Okay, so it looks like truth, but in the end, it's not actually truth. I just started reading a book by Alyssa Childers, and it's it's a very good book so far. I'm not very far in, but I really like it. And it's called 
Live Your Truth and Other Lies. Okay, so it's it's a really good book so far talking about how there are things out there in the world that sound right, but it's only because they're mixed with a little bit of truth, but they're actually just a lie that people are living. And if people continue to follow those lies, they're actually going to be hurt in the end because they're not actually following the real truth. And so that's what Samuel says here. He says, follow and serve Yahweh in all truth with all your heart. So constantly be searching for the truth. And when you search for the truth, you're going to find the truth because that's what Jesus says. He says, seek and you will find. And what is Jesus's name? I talked about this on the podcast episode for Christmas. One of Jesus's names in Revelation is actually truth. So Jesus is truth. That is his name. And he's going to bring truth back to the earth when Jesus comes again the second time. So when we seek, we are going to find that truth. And to conclude the verse, it says, consider what great things he has done for you. So not only are you supposed to worship Yahweh in truth and with all your heart, but also remember with thanksgiving all these wonderful things that Yahweh has done for you throughout the years. I actually keep a little list of things that God has done for me in my purse with me at all times. And I update it every few years to add some things on there. And I just updated it, I think, last year. I'll probably have to do it again this year. But sometimes I just take it out to look at it and to remember some of the good things God has done for me over the years because human beings have a really, really hard time remembering good things, especially when we're in the middle of something bad, (laughs) at least in my case. So I like to take that little list out and remember the good things God has done for me because there are so, so many things. But sometimes... I'm so wrapped up in my own emotion, I forget those good things God has done. So Samuel says, remember the good things God has done for you. But then in verse 25, he says, but if you keep on doing evil, you will be consumed, both you and your king. So that has not changed at all. That part is still the same. If the people continue to do evil, if they continue to worship idols and continue to go down the path of not living in truth, living in lies, then eventually their own sins are going to consume them. The king will be consumed by these sins and so will the people. But even though the people have sinned in asking for a earthly king, Samuel is giving them hope that God has not abandoned them. And so take comfort in that, that even though you and I sin all the time, God does not abandon us. He still loves us. He's still here with us. He still wants to have a relationship with us. Today was a little bit of a longer episode, but it was so good. I, you know, I was looking through this portion earlier and it's so funny when this happens. I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. (laughs) And even after researching it, I was like, what am I going to talk about? And then once I read it, all these things just kind of came to me and and flowed out. But all right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms and tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists because word of mouth is really the most fantastic way that you can help this podcast to grow. And I know so many people have shared this podcast to people and um, I just 
really appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. And also don't forget to write a review on whatever podcast platform you listen on as well. So faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Acts. Until then, happy listening and God bless.